0: assurance control that christ has regarded my helpless estate and hath shed his own blood for my soul sin oh the bliss of this glory thought my sin not in part but the whole is near.
1: This the day the Lord hath made, so let us rejoice and be glad in it. I'm rejoicing in this day, and I hope you are, and I'm glad you've joined us for this broadcast tonight. And as always, my prayer is that the word and the music will be a blessing. Thank you again for joining us. Now I'm going to turn to our scripture lesson from, is from Paul's letter to the Philippians, chapter four, beginning at verse four. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again I will say rejoice if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. But I'm particularly thinking about this verse, the fourth verse. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. This is the Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Would you join me, please, for a moment of prayer? O oh God, let your will be done. Nothing more, nothing less, nothing else. Thank you for this opportunity and thank you for these friends. It's in your name. Amen." A prominent minister said that whenever this particular layperson visited him, he would always shake his hand, look him dead in the eye, and as he left he would say, whatever you do, don't miss the joy. Now that's a good word for all of us. Whatever you do, don't miss the joy. And yet so many people today are missing the joy. So many religious people are missing the joy. There are many religious people who see faith as a source of goodness, but not of gladness, not of gladness. And what about those outside the church? Not much happiness out there either. Which one of these words or words would you use to describe the condition of the world today? Listen, anxious. Fearful, hardened, stressed, gloomy. My guess is you would use all of those words, but you would particularly use the word gloomy because that's the way it really is. So what is one of the world's greatest needs? One of the world's greatest needs is for joyful people. Joyful people. A few years ago, my wife and I were in Boston, Massachusetts, and we went by to visit the great church, Trinity Church. Years ago, they had a well-known minister there. His name was Phillips Brooks. Phillips Brooks was such an outstanding person that his books and sermons have been written everywhere. On one occasion, there was an article in the Boston paper, and it said this. It said, The day was dark and gloomy, but Phillips Brooks walked down newspaper row, and all was bright. That's the idea. Thus, the relevancy of Paul's words in our text Paul says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, Rejoice. But it's a special kind of joy that possessed Paul. It's a joy independent of earthly circumstances. A joy independent of desired comforts or good health or big successes. Paul had none of these things. And Paul was writing this from a Roman prison cell. In addition, he was concerned about the Tough times the Philippians were going to have as they moved forward with the gospel of Christ. So how could Paul possibly be joyful in this situation? The key is he was not joyful. He was joyful in the Lord. And that is something quite different. That is the secret of Paul's success, and that is also the secret of our success. What does he say to us? He says, rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord, I say. The fruit of the Spirit is joy. Joy. Joy is rooted in a vibrant faith. Joy is rooted in a vibrant faith. There is a tremendous difference between these two things, happiness and joy. Each springs from a different source. Happiness comes from the Latin word, hap, and has to do with circumstances or happenstances. Happiness, therefore, is based on circumstances or happenings. And we continually never arrive at happiness because the circumstances are always changing. Now, sometimes we get one circumstance under control, but then another circumstance breaks out and causes us great discomfort. So I think that happiness is a myth because our circumstances are never everything desired. Recently, a friend shared with a minister that she had gone to an art museum in New York City. And she said that she went into this museum And she went into one of the special exhibits, and it was an exhibit related to roads. There were all kinds of roads there. There was a beautiful interstate highway, a wonderful city thoroughfare, a quiet country road, a suburban road, a path, a mountain path. But at the end of this hall, there was a beautiful, huge picture of a road. road. And this lady said to the minister, She went and stood before that picture. It had beautiful pastel colors. It was so spiritual and quiet and peaceful. And then she noticed underneath the painting were these words, The Road to Happiness. While she was standing there looking at that painting, two other well-dressed women came up, and one of them was evidently visibly touched. She said, Isn't that beautiful? The other said, Oh, it's beautiful, but there is no such road. If we just take a minute to think about it, I'm sure there have been times or are times in our lives when we would agree there is no such road to happiness. No such road. And so at one end, there is no such road. But joy, on the other hand, originates from a different source. Joy originates with God and comes alive in a person's life who has God in his or her life. For nearly a decade, It was as though a Democritian sword hung over Paul. Paul suffered immensely. He was in different prisons everywhere. That meant he had no bed, he had no windows, no doors, no nothing. He was down in a hole, in a deep cave, with only a little light at the top of the cave to even know that it was daylight. What was Paul's response? Paul wrote a letter to a group of people in Philippi. And he told him to rejoice 11 times. And he told him to be joyful five times. He told him to be joyful five times. Now, that is really something to say. Paul's secret, rejoice in the Lord, he says. Now, Paul didn't know the winsome man of Galilee. He never knew the contagious human being that walked the roads out there in Palestine. He only knew Jesus as the risen Lord. This is the same Lord who came to those mournful disciples and gave them an uplift in gladness. The same Lord who uplifted the men on the Emmaus Road. The same Lord who surprised Saul out on the Damascus Road and changed his life. After Paul's conversion, Paul never even thought of being gloomy again because he was filled with the present Christ the ever-present Christ, who said, My joy is in you, that my joy may be complete. So Paul had the joy of the Lord. us Sweet said that it was a time he went to his mother's room. She was in a hospital. It was her last illness. And he went in there, and he said to her, Mother, you taught us three boys the Nehemiah principle. You told us never to forget the Nehemiah principle. And he said, The joy of the Lord is your And he left that branch. His mother had not been able to speak for a number of days. But a smile came on her face and she said strength. A big smile came on her face. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Leonard Sweet said those were the last words his mother ever said. He kissed her on the cheek, walked out into the dark. And he said she was literally ushered into the kingdom of God with those words. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Your strength. What a powerful way to depart this world. In the prayers of their book, I Bring You Joy, Albert and Alice Kramer say this Are you happy? Are you willing to be happy? Jesus Christ can and will make you happy if you allow Him to do so. He will do even more for you. He will not only make you happy, He will make you joyful, which is happiness independent of your circumstances and your environment. Years ago, when I was pastor in Columbus, Georgia, at St. Luke, some serious rains came along. These rains did a lot of damage. Some of us had floodwaters in our homes. When it flooded my home in the basement, we were not even there, we were attending a conference and our daughter went by to check on the mail and she discovered it. She called some of the staff at the church and some lay people and they came out and saved some of the books and sermons and magazines. I got in on that Wednesday afternoon and I was in my garage trying to pick up stuff that was on the floor, and a second flood came. A second flood came, and it washed things all out into the yard. It washed sermons, it washed books, magazines out in the yard. And that evening when I was getting ready to go to the Wednesday night fellowship up at the church, I took a look out in the yard and there were all those sermons and magazines, bits of things just everywhere. And I went over to pick up one, and It was the only one that the sermon title was actually facing up. And through the water I saw these words, a call to joy. I immediately knew that that was God's message to me, a call to joy. And that's also God's message to all of us, a call to joy. And he will make us joyful if we will allow him to enable us to be happy and joyful. And then secondly, joy is interrupted by joy breakers joy is interrupted by joy breakers. You know there are certain things in our lives that will interrupt our joy. The first joy breaker that I would mention is selfishness. Someone said none of us have to be taught to think of ourselves. We're born with a me-first mentality and we are. A good example of this would be that if I would meet a friend and we would go have a picture made. Someone would take the picture with a digital camera and then they would show the picture to my friend. My friend would look at the picture, what would her reaction be? What would her thought be about it? And then what would my reaction be? What would my thought be about it? Well, she would take a look at that picture and she would look at it in her own best interest. And if it looked good to her, it didn't make any difference whether I had my eyes closed or my tongue out. It. it didn't make any difference whatsoever and the same would be true of me. You see, that's the human nature of us. We all tend to think of ourselves first. The person who makes his own charity first place in his life is not going to have a whole lot of joy. So the first joy breaker is selfishness. A second joybreaker is resentment. In the Old Testament, there was a Persian king by the name of Azarus. There were two men that served under this king. One was named Haman. Haman was a foreigner who somehow elevated himself to the second position in the Persian empire, and he insisted that everybody bow to him. But Mordecai, the Jew, refused to bow to him. And so Haman, full of resentment, decided he would build a to gallows to hang Mordecai and the rest of the Jews in the kingdom. But if you know from your biblical history, Queen Esther, beautiful Queen Esther spoiled the attempt. The king found out about it, and the king said that Haman would be hung on the very gallows he had built to hang Mordecai. You see, Haman became the victim of his own resentment, and there's a parable here. People who harbor grudges, it never hurts the other person as much as it does the one who harbors the grudge. So a second joy breaker has to be resentment. A third joy breaker is fear. Fear. Most of us are afraid far too much of the time. We're afraid of death. We're afraid of life. We're afraid of failure. We're afraid of relationships. We're afraid of getting too close to somebody. You name it. We are all afraid. Now the presence of fear does not mean that there's no faith in our lives. And sometimes fear visits all of our lives. But the important thing is to keep fear a visitor and not a resident. If fear is a visitor and not a permanent resident, fear will not do us too much harm. But if that fear becomes a permanent resident, it will destroy our joy. And then a fourth joy breaker is greed. Greed. Far too many of us, so much of the time, are concerned with what's in it for me. And if we get so concerned with what's in it for me, we put the emphasis on getting and not giving. Consequently, we're going to live shallow lives, and we're not going to have much joy. You see, God was a giver. God was a giver, and He wants us to be givers too. And if we want to be full of joy, then we must learn how to give. You know this stuff of life that God blesses us with? He blesses us with it so we can give it to other people, not so we can keep it ourselves. And then a fifth joy breaker is self-pity self-pity. Do you want to feel better about yourself? Then remember you are a child of God. You're made in his image and nothing can ever, ever, ever take that image from you. A teacher asked her little pupils, what's in the world now that was not here 50 years ago? A little girl held up her hand and said, me. And she's absolutely right. Absolutely right. So you see there are certain things that if we allow them are called joy breakers and they will break our Joy, And then the last thing I want to say is this, joy is a byproduct of holy living and serving. Beloved, too many people think that joy is just some kind of magic thing that's going to descend upon us as we relentlessly search for it. Joy is not an end in itself. Joy is a byproduct of holy living and serving. Jesus said to his disciples, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things shall be added to you. All of these things that he talked about being added to you, that's our material goods, food and drink and clothes and shelter. Jesus said, don't seek these things first. Seek first the kingdom of God, and these things will be added unto you. They'll come as a byproduct. Now some of us are living joyous lives. Some of us are living joyless lives. We don't have much joy. Could it be that we're not spending enough time with Christ, or we're not spending enough time with the kingdom of God? Could that be the reason we are joyless people? One man told his minister, he said, You know, I have no faith. I've spent all my life concentrating on the wrong thing, and now I'm spiritually destitute. Not much joy there would you say? For sure, not much joy there. That man was in pitiful shape. Now, here's some questions for us to consider. Are we walking with him through the pages of Holy Scripture? And are we reading the Bible every day? Two, are we engaging him in God talk? Are we engaging him in prayer? Three, are we keeping our appointments with him in public worship? Four, Are we meeting him at the Lord's table? And five, are we involved and engaged in some kind of ministry? We are actually making disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. Thomas Carlyle tells of a story that happened to him when he was a boy. He said one time he was home alone. His parents were not there. And he said, a beggar knocked on the door. The beggar was hungry and cold. And Thomas Carlyle said, in his boyish impulse, he ran upstairs broke open his bank, and gave the beggar every cent that he had. But then at the end of his life, Thomas Carlyle said, never before or since have I experienced such great joy as I experienced when I helped that beggar. Bill Hobbles, who's the pastor of Willow Creek in Chicago, near Chicago, simply said he had two great goals for the rest of his life. One was to do what God wanted him to do, He said he had never known joy outside of doing what God wanted him to do. And secondly, he wanted to do it within the confines of the people he loved. He wanted to do it through and in the church of Jesus Christ. There's an executive that was asked this question, what was the happiest time in your life? He gave an answer that was very strange to some people. He said the happiest time of my life was when I was in the hospital for three weeks with typhoid fever. He said I was in a strange city. He said, there were a lot of us there. He said, we were cranky people who had a lot of unreasonable demands. And he said, but there was a nurse, one nurse among many, overtired and overworked, who never came into my room, that she didn't bring joy and cheer. She was truly one of life's great hostesses. She always brought joy and cheer, no matter the situation. He said, one day I asked her, how she could be so joyful? And she said, I'm simply trying to give others what God has given to me. I'm simply trying to give to others what God has given to me. What were those words of Paul? He said, rejoice in the Lord always. I say again, rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord. Amen and amen. Let us pray. Lord, we're grateful for this day. We're thankful for the joy of our lives because you live within us. And Lord, if some of us are on a joyless trail, help us to receive you afresh and to allow you to live in and through us to the blessing of others. And we'll be sure to give you the praise and the glory for all things. Thank you again for this time together and these friends that gather with us. Bless them all, make them a blessing, and we'll be sure to give you the praise and the glory. Thank you very much for joining us. Good night, and may God bless you.
2: the mm-hmm.